Waking up with Armitage because he makes Sunday mornings great again. Cold sweat runs down on my cheeks while my heart's getting hot to beat. My throat's so dry and I got some shakes. Again, morning, again, headache. Again, morning, again. Good morning, one and all, and it's great to be back playing stuff for you on a Sunday morning as opposed to you listening to the repeat of Friday's show with me still in bed. I mean, coming back from Sunday service, our souls to you, peace on you. Why is this? I hear you cry. Well, I'm glad you asked. As I will tell you now, you may recall that back on the 22nd of October, I saw the Wild Hearts down in Dover who had Janus Stark opening proceedings with me booked to interview main Janus Stark man Giz but beforehand to chat primarily about their new album Angel in the Flames that is due out on the 1st of December through Time and Matter recordings so you can already pre-order on both CD and vinyl timematterrecordings.bigcartel.com is the place to go uh, as it turned out Due to their van breaking down just a few miles outside of Sittingbourne, the interview took place during Last Great Dreamer's set, right at the very end of Corridor, that even with the doors closed that led into said venue, you could hear everything almost as if the doors were non-existent. So you might have to strain, focus, if not concentrate, more than you normally would. All this on a Sunday to boot, but, you know, what can you do? Uh, it's been ages since I've interviewed viewed uh, anyone the last being alvin gibbs on 668 the neighbor of the beast episode uh, in january of this year to be truth be told i get very nervous before during and after uh, an interview because uh, i don't wish to come across as a prick yeah which is quite hard all things considered and and fortunately uh with just one keyword, Giz would be off covering the original question, but at the same time going off on a tangent, so I was, you know, saved. Uh, what I in- intend to do now is uh, intersperse the interview with uh, relevant songs from Giz's career. Right, off we go with The Last Great Dreamers as background accompanying music. <laughs>
Thompson's chest Janus. Janus. Sorry. Please say it correctly. Sorry. And I used to get a van in as well. Well, you've just got to think of Amos Stark. <laughs> because that was, that's the real name and just someone just misspelled it. Really? No. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Because it's a game that when I was a... Um, no, no, I mean, it's... When you're searching for a band name, you're looking all over the place, aren't you? You're looking... You're searching high and low, and that's one of the things, when you're in a band, you make a great big list of yeah. potential band names. And I think that the ones that you don't use... You know, you choose what you want to use, whatever it is, and then the ones that you don't use become either song titles or lyrics. I was in a band one. We called ourselves for five minutes... a name that just had something different, you know, and, you know, when you're a punk band, it can be too... I didn't want a name like the Destructors or the Desecrators, you know, I didn't want a name that was, you know, one of the names, I mean, I like the early band's names, really, I like, you know, Buzzcocks is a kind of cool name, you know what I mean? Uh, I just wanted something that was different, and that was on the list, and, yeah, the character, I thought Jane Stark, the actual character, was very, you know, different. But, you know, there's nothing about him. It's not as if he's a concept that we're covering. It's not, you know. It's just the name. It's just the name. And, yeah, okay, a lot of people make fun out of it and say, aim a star. And, uh, you know, well, I like that. You know, I don't mind that at all. People, it's saying the name, so you're out there, whether it's been in fun or not, I suppose. You can read a lot into it if you really want. Janus was a, a British military computer. Stark is strong in German. Yeah. You know, you, if you want to read things, Janus is the two, two-faced god. You can read all sorts into it if you want to. Or rather, mythological characters, not god. But, you know, it was just a name. But you're back after, what, 16 years you were away in 2002? Yeah, it was split in 2002, but... The, the Jane Stark that was going on between 2000 and 2002 didn't really feel like Jane Stark. Um, you know, the, the Jane Stark that I fondly remember is the first album. And that, there was a, a couple, after the first album, there was, if you go on Discogs, there's like a couple of CDRs. Yeah, well, I mean, I would personally say ignore them, you know. I think, you know, what we were trying to do in the first album was we were fusing, you know, melodic punk rock with rock, you know, maybe a couple of heavy metal ideas here and there, uh, some post-hardcore ideas, some post-punk stuff. Um, we were getting a little bit experimental, we were putting a little bit of Beatles in there, a bit of hula. Barriers, I think it's very Beatlish. Someone described us as being like a mixture of 80s American punk and uh, Mersey beat. I thought that was quite, you know, yeah, quite like cool. Yeah. Standing in the crowd, my voice is drowned by all the sounds of mass confusion. 
words may be exchanged, they're not the same. I feel a sense of disillusion. In a state of some emergency, I don't know who I can believe. There's headlines screaming out their tales of death. So come on.
stuff. Basically, you know, we're a melodic punk band, but yeah, we've got influences from here and there. And uh, but my voice is—I I think a, defi a defining thing for every band is the singer's voice. Yeah. And my voice lends itself to melodic punk. You know, which is fine by me. So, what prompted you to um, reform Seamus? Well, it was my wife that, that was saying to me, um, Janus, that, that that album, more the album than, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, more the album than the band, really, because as a band, well, me and Pinch, the drummer, didn't really gel very well, not really. No, uh, no we had a, we, quite an uncomfortable relationship, but we... Made is good stuff, but um, that album was just—I think it's the greatest thing that I've ever done. And, and you know, me and my wife would listen to it, and you know, she'd well, you know, we'd have a great time listening to it. And then I was in a German band, and they were, uh, they were based in Hamburg. And I've got a lot of punk rock friends in Hamburg; they're really great people. I'd visit them a lot. We'd hang out all the time. When I wasn't gigging, I'd be round one of their houses. And one of them, uh, Timo, he's a promoter, and he puts on the booze cruise, the Hamburg booze cruise. Him and a guy called Stefan put on the booze cruise. And he's such a good friend, I just wanted to play at his gig, you know. But I knew that the, the band that I had in Hamburg couldn't do it, because that band was a heavy metal band, so it was inappropriate. So I just said to him, you know, what do you think of the idea of James Stark playing at the Hamburg Booze Cruise? And he goes, that would be great. I said, do you want to do it? He said, yeah. I said, yeah, come on then, we'll do it. But of course there was no James Stark. So then I had to think, well, you know, who's going to be in this James Stark? And I, because I already had a band anyway back at home, and I just thought, they're my best friends, I'm going to do it with these guys. And it just so happened. Uh, you know, like Fozzie the drummer. I did actually do a kind of reformation of Jaden Stark in 2009. Pinch couldn't do it, so Fozzie did that. So he, if you like, Fozzie joined Jaden Stark in 2009. Um, me and Shock, the bassist, had fallen out for some time, and we decided we'd, we'd come back together as friends, and we decided that it was more important to just stay friends, and we didn't want any band getting in the way of that. So it was more important that we were just friends. Because although we get on very, very well, I think that, again, sometimes the dynamic of being in a band with me, it's not easy. And I guess, it, you know, it's rubbing him up the wrong way. We didn't want that, no. So Simon's my best friend. He's, you know, like, uh, been friends since we were 16. And Richard Gumball, who used to play in Midget, That's right. well, Midget had a, an association with Jada Stark right from the beginning.
So that's what happened then. And um, yeah, then I was doing this band called The More I See, which, but it didn't really work out. I've just found really that my home is in, although I'm a massive fan of heavy metal, and some of my best friends are heavy metal people, like Andy Sneap, um, and I love, you know, like bands like um, Judas Priest and Saxon and Metallica, ACDC. You know, I love their bands, um, but I found that really the community that I was definitely the closest with was punk community. And I think that the reason for that is because, you know, I grew up with punk, so from the age of 10, 11, 12 onwards, so I was buying all the records, I was reading all the magazines, the papers, I was hanging out, you know, I was part of that. So you could pull out a record from 1978, I'll know it, you know what I mean? It, as you, as you were saying, I was saying it, it is a, a battle world, but it is a family, the whole punk thing, the whole music thing, it, it is a family. Like coming down here at night, you know, I, li I live in London, South East London, right. but there's like a dozen people that I know that have all come from various yeah. places for the gig. Yes. And, it, and, it, and it, it is a family thing. Yeah, it, and, and that's. Uh, I love that sense, you know, um, you feel encouraged. And, you know, the sense of belonging. You feel like you can have a conversation with any of the, those people in that room. And you, can, you, you feel that you could be anywhere and you can just join in or provoke or start a conversation and you will have a conversation. You know, you feel like you could like, have a beer and, you know, clunk bottles with someone and, and just get to know them there and then, you know. And I, I was having that kind of feeling in Hamburg, in the punk pubs in Hamburg. I was having it there.
initiate, initiate, initiate. You've got your foot inside my door. We've got our own clique. Now we're the kings of the common street. Probably all of it. It, it, it feels very 
seem very upbeat. It seems to be a bit of an oxymoron. It's sort of like you, you listen to some of the lyrics and you, you think, oh, fucking hell, this is terrible. But the music brings it up and at the end you're, you're smiling. You know, I was struggling with the lyrics, and I do struggle with lyrics because I, I believe the lyrics should be very, very true. And if you're not careful, your lyrics will just be uh, really just boring and contrived. And, I, you know, I just really didn't want that. So I wanted to be careful, what am I going to write the song about? And, you know, I was like constantly taking books, you know, notebooks everywhere and writing songs and scrapping them all the time, one after another. And I was thinking, oh, man, I've got to write a lyric that I like eventually, you know. And then I had a nervous breakdown. So the nervous breakdown then put me in a, a whole different situation, in a different environment. And that is when these songs really came together. I wouldn't necessarily say this as a recommendation, you know, if you want some inspiration, go and have a nervous breakdown. It's not a good feeling. And I am on meds now, which I don't know how long I'm always going to be on them for. I might be on them for a long time. They make me feel better, you know, so I don't see any point in coming off them. Um, but I was writing more then. But my ideas were kind of like, really like, look, the human race, we don't have a choice in this. There is no choice. We could, you know, we are, we have to change, but it's not a, like, oh, how are we going to change? It's like, no, you, there's no decision making going on. The human race is going to change. The only thing that we can possibly do, really, is think of an alternative future. One that is not driven by money. It's the only way. I, 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 this way of thinking I, I, is because, you know, in the years, I've come across some people, you know, in my travels, who've sat down with like, these amazing conversations, and from them I've gathered that there are a good amount of people around that are looking for an alternative way, and not in necessarily a confrontational way, not an aggressive way, more of a way of where they, they're really trying to genuinely find a solution and invest their time and their money and their lives into doing that and put, putting that out so that people feel it from them. And it's kind of like a case of leading by example, you know. It's not like by, do as I say or I'll strut you across the face. It's more of a like, look, it could be like this for you. Can you see yeah. how the, the, the benefits? And they, they were showing me things of like, well, you know, you do have to change your attitude, which is really difficult. Um, and one of the songs on the album is called The Murderer's Rights Society. And that is about the concept of, if you can forgive, if you really, truly can forgive, then the human race will evolve, it will advance. But it's very, very difficult. Uh, my eldest brother was killed in a car accident. I might find it difficult to forgive the person who did that. But if I can, I think I'm a step in the right direction. Yeah. My uh, second eldest brother, he committed suicide and, you know, you could point the finger at his ex-wife and say, you know, you drove him to that, but, you know, forgive, I yeah. think. That's what you should try and do. And I think if... If a person, if a man or a woman or a person is able to forgive someone that has murdered their child, now that is a tough one. Can you do that? Is it possible? Because if you can, 
then you're breaking the cycle. Because why, you know, how can you forgive someone that has done that?
the, the reason why there's so many attitudes going on is because we can't forgive. But also, that lack of forgiveness is being used by people that have got money. Because, you know, people that have got money, whatever you want to call it, the system, or whatever you want to call it, the hierarchy, um, they, they know what switches to press. They know what, what triggers to pull. They know how to drive people, you know, because we are basically just like a, you know, a brunt. We hurt it. So it's like, well, we know if we do that, they'll respond in this way. And then they'll buy that. They'll buy into that. As I said, the interview was in a corridor, the definition of which is a long passage in a building from which doors lead into rooms. Out of one of these doors emerged Danny McCormack with a guy who it turns out was a huge, crass Steve Ignorant fan. And seeing Giz, who took part in Steve's The Last Supper Tour as guitar player, became a fanboy. Swiftly followed by Danny, who didn't know of the connection, with much back-slapping and singing along. This all gives me an excuse to play Security Core from the Last Supper in Belfast album.
that's you know one of the songs. But yeah, I guess there's there's like the two sides to that story. You know, there's a thing. Um, commodity awakening. One of the last things that Keith Flint ever said to me, uh, and it was in a taxi uh, going back to the airport in Brazil, Rio. He said. You know, he knew that I was about to be fired, obviously. Uh, and he said to me in the taxi, he goes, something that you're going to find out very soon, Giz, and that is that you are just a commodity. We are all commodities like that.
break someone's fucking dream. You know, I just thought to myself, well, well, that, it took me a long time to get over that. But I realised then that that was, again, the whole commodity thing is, yeah, so if people treat you like a commodity, why are you treating other people like a commodity? And if you're able to not, and to be aware that people have got feelings, again, it's very difficult to do. You know, you can just find yourself slipping into an old mould, but if you're able to address it and stop it, you're going to be part of the solution. But, you know, this solution's a bigger, it's, it's quite a big thing. Some people, are, are, they're doing it, they're living it now. You know, they're basically leaving society. You know, I don't know how it's going to be achievable. I don't know if I can achieve it, but it will happen with or without me. said more like ACDC. It was an ACDC influence riff, but, you know, very twisted. I've twisted the chords. I've made the chords very much Jane Stark. You know, one of the things that Jane Stark likes to go for is he's kind of like, I don't know, you take a chord sequence and then you make it a little bit less obvious. You change a, a chord here, you change a note there. So instead of it being a cliche, it's all of a sudden, it's like, oh, what's that? What's going on? It's a bit different. I've always liked that, you know. And I did that with that riff. But yeah, some people hear it and they go, oh, it sounds like Def Leppard. And that makes me laugh so much. So I'll say to them, okay, well, what song is it? You know, they, and they say, photograph Def Leppard. So I just, you know, I just laugh about it. But for me, I, if anything, for me, that song is, you know, it's just that kind of like, that 4 4, slightly ACDC influence. But. It's a rock song, but again, it's made alternative because of the angles that it's gone for. It's like, exactly like what I said, musically, it's like taking a cliched idea, but then putting these different notes and rhythms in it that take it to another place and pick your ear up and go, whoa, what's going on? I like that. I was expecting that and I got this. The lyrics to that one were written by uh, a friend of mine, so I decided to do some co-writing. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, there's a, there's a friend of mine, Simon Wright, and he's a, you know, he's a songwriter in Peterborough, where I live. And when I first started thinking about writing some new Jane of Stark songs, I was, and as I said, I was struggling with lyrics. So I found that if I worked with him, because he's a good lyricist, I was able to sort of get more inspiration myself, so I could bounce off it.
so I've, I've known him forever, and then in the English Dogs in 1986, we were playing our first headline tour of the state. Uh, and the UK. Yeah, uh, We were, we were like, whoa, 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 this is not, it's not right. But because that time was that was that man's time then, so that's what happened, you know. Um, and then in the mid nineties, when I reformed English Dogs. We did quite a few gigs up there. I became the lead singer of the English Dogs then. That's what led to Jane and Stark anyway. We did this album called All the Worlds Are Rage, and that's the precursor to Jane and Stark. So if you hear All the Worlds Are Rage, you kind of hear like the What's gonna developing, yeah. Loads of kids with UK subs, and it was when we were playing with them 
they were having problems with Al their guitarist I could see this going on uh, they were waiting to go on stage 20 minutes 30 minutes and I just said Charlie you know do you want me to help you out, you know, because I do know a lot of your songs, you know, and he said, yeah, please do, you know, so I jumped up, you know, and I think I did about 30 minutes, and then the guitarist came in the hall, looked at me absolutely livid, you know, he, he didn't, he didn't get any, looking at he didn't get physical with me at all, but, you know, I just fucking fucked off, you know, and, and then he picked up his Les Paul and plugged it in and started playing, but everyone thought, why are you so late, you know, mm. you're an hour late, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't accept it, I guess. Anyway, it happened a few times. And then Charlie phoned me up. And he goes, I'm having real problems with that, with that. And he said, um, are you interested in joining? And I said, fuck yeah, yeah, you want to bet. And he said, he said well, look, because it happened a couple of other times. Uh, the English Dogs were playing with the UK subs at Rock City, and it happened there. But you see, because I was being caught out, I was caught off guard all the, all the time. I didn't actually, ooh, I didn't know what I was playing inside out. Mm. I needed to sit down for a couple of weeks and go through everything. I needed to be told, you know, you, you've got a job, you know. And it looked to me like this was it. So Charlie just said, yeah, you know, do, do you fancy it? I was like, yeah. So we got together in London and we had a rehearsal and we wrote a couple of songs together. And we, we had a rehearsal with... Pete Slack, I remember, uh, and it all looked like it was going to go ahead, and then at exactly the same time that the audition with the Prodigy thing happened. So. that 
But part of me says I should have stuck with the UK subs. But, you know, I, I went with the Prodigy thing. And I, I think one of the reasons why was because the person who kind of recommended me for the job was Morat, journalist Morat. And he got in touch and he said, look, I've put you forward for this really big band. And he, and he says, he says, Giz, you've got to get this, you've got to get it. And I thought, yeah, 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 yeah. This, this could be a really good thing. Mm. And I've got to say, it was a good thing because, you know, a lot of great things came out of it. But it was an adventure, which I went through and then came out. So, so did Mark get in contact with you from Tom Matters? He did. Well, no, what happened was Alvin, um, I, I sparked up a really good friendship with Alvin. He's a great guy. Well, no, I, I wanted Charlie to do a guest spot on the, uh, on, the on one of the songs. So, I got in touch and uh, I got in touch with Yuko and I said, is there any chance that Charlie would do like something? So far, he's had to think about it and he'll do a harmonica solo. I'd be fucking ready.
so we got together in the studio and you know he put down the harmonica solo and whilst I was there I said look will you also do a backing vocal for another song so we did that he's on two songs on the new album it's great and um, we went to a restaurant and had you know we all had a big meal together we had a bunch of drinks and he said look do you want to play at my 75th birthday at the 100 club absolutely be honest yeah so we did that gig and, and at that gig I kind of really connected with Alvin a lot you know and we were chatting away and then I got his phone number and then later on we spoke on the phone in, you know after that and I was I, because I was really admiring what he was doing with the disobedient songs I thought you know he's doing really good here and they're, they're sounding great and they're always in Viva La Rock and I, li- I said I'm I said, is this on your own label? Because you're doing really good. He said, no, it's on Time and Matter Records. It's the record label for the UK subs. And he said, why don't you try them? Is another free How are you? How are you doing? Yeah, okay. Is another one? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll leave you to how many you're about for. Oh, well, I'll be here till the end. So okay. catch you at the end. Well, I'll catch you before then. Whilst Wild Arts are on. So, um... So he said, you got to have a word with the Time and Matter guys, because that's who's the label I'm on. I said, they, they could be interested. So I went to go and see Alvin at the 100 Club with the Disobedience, and then I met them, and then, you know, I said, yeah, I'll send you the stuff. And they were so excited about the stuff. Because you'd already recorded the album? I'd already virtually finished. And um, they were so excited about it. And, you know... All my life I've been looking for a label like them. Mm. You know, honest people, good people, people that are passionate, people that put the music, that love the music, fans that really, really feel everything about it, record collectors that, that enjoy everything that's part of being a record collector which is they put out nice packages all the sub, all the reissue subs and stuff and everything is is top stuff yeah they know what a fan wants what a, i mean and, and you know i'm a fan i'm a i'm a record buyer i'm a vinyl collector i love vinyl i get you know i love cds as well don't get me i love the whole lot you know um I love the physical, to be honest. Absolutely. I'm much more into the physical than... I mean, I appreciate some things you can only get on download. Some things you cannot get on anything apart from a CD that you're very lucky if you get it and you have to pay a fucking fortune to get... Or, if you're really, really lucky, you'll get it for a good price just because some shop in the middle of nowhere that's virtually put it in its bargain book. You know what I mean? And it depends what you're looking for, you know, and that's, that's me, I'm, I'm, I kind of get latched onto things, I love, I get onto certain bands, certain people, and then I'm, I'm listening to them, got it for, yeah, yeah. For, for ages, you know. got it for John Reese at the moment, you know, the lead singer of uh, Rocket from The Crypt, yeah. you know, Speedo, yeah. so it's basically absolutely everything that he's done and is associated with, so all of, you know, um, the Sultans, the Nightcrawlers, um, Bad Snakes, um, just like, uh, I'm trying to think of all of them, can't think of all of them, but, you know, everything that he's done to me has just got a certain style that I really love. So, 
Yeah. I'm collecting it. Listening to it. Well, I think that quite possibly could wrap it up. Good. Thank you very much for your time. And uh, I'm glad you managed to get here all right. Yeah.
I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Rock Radio UK listeners, you got the abridged version. If you want to hear an extra 25 minutes worth of music, you'll be able to later on today via Podbean or Spotify. Don't forget Angel in the Flames by Janus Stark is available to pre-order right now at timematterrecordings.bigcartel.com. Until Friday, take it easy. Knocking on doors, opening windows, I'm 